0: Bienvenidos and welcome to the Luna Magic podcast. Luna Magic is a global multicultural beauty brand inspired by the rich cultures of the Caribbean and Latin America, the hustle and bustle of New York City, and the glamour of Los Angeles. In our podcast series, we will shed light on the behind the scenes of building a business and or a career, the community that supports us, the stories of others, and a few things that we have learned along the way to win big. Today, we have a very special guest on our podcast show, Tatiana Diaz, Editor-in-Chief at Remiscla, beauty expert and former beauty queen, Miss mm-hmm. New York USA 2015. Please help me to welcome the one and only Tatiana Diaz. Yay. Hi. Hola, <laughs> Reina. Beauty. Hi. Excited to be here. Yes. Yeah, so let's take it back to like, memory lane. I think Tatiana mm-hmm. and I met professionally early stages when we were launching Luna magic and she was so gracious to include us in this, I think it was refinery 29 article around the next big Latina owned brands that have launched in retail. And I just remember thinking how excited we were a to share our story with her, but having this collaborative moment between dominicanas, right? Like us being Dominican and uh, her being from Dominican and the synergies of beauty and editorial. So I want to give you your flowers and say thank you so much for including us, because obviously uh, having the support of the editorial community, especially early on when you're starting a business, is crucial. So muchas gracias for that. Thank you. So you're welcome. Um, I want to start off by really learning a little bit more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and your background? I mean, I think it's so fascinating of how you were able to go from a beauty queen Uh, And it's funny because I bet there's a lot of process involved. I think people think it's just about being pretty. But every time I've heard or read about pageants, it sounds like hard work. And how you were able to to transition that experience into what you're doing right now, which is leading the charge at one of the leading um, Latinx um, editorial companies uh, of today.
1: Yes. So um, I'm first gen Dominicana. Uh, My parents were born in the Dominican Republic. I was born and raised in New York. And I actually was a criminal justice major when I started um, my studies. What? <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I was pre-law okay. track. And um, you know when you grow up with, you know, immigrant parents, they want, like, whatever is yes. safest. Um, yes. And I was always I was always one to talk back when I was young, so they always call me La Chiquita Abogada and okay <laughs> like, si va a ser so that always like stuck in me and like I always thought like just because that's what I was called that I was gonna be a lawyer and like my mm-hmm. parents were so excited at like that being my future and um it wasn't until I got to college that I realized that I wasn't super passionate about it and I was like wait what am I doing mm-hmm. um and when I it was funny because I sat down with an advisor in college, and she was like, "What do you love to do?" And I didn't even realize that I had loved storytelling and writing. I was, a, mm. I was an editor in my high school newspaper. I was a features editor in college. Um, my mom used to say when I was younger that I used to fill up journals, and I remember these journals. Like she used to, have to buy me a new journal like every other week because I was just writing, 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 and like sharing my thoughts all the time. And so, writing has always been a passion of mine, and that's kind of how I stepped into it. But on the sideline, I had been doing pageants. Um, I was actually forced into pageants by my parents. Funny story. Wow. Um,
0: they, my mom, loved Amelia Vega, who won Miss. Oh, of course. Yes. I mean, for those who don't know, Amelia Vega was this. I, well, she's you know she's still around, obviously, but like she put Dominican beauty on the map at a global scale. And I remember when she won, everybody was like... It was like winning a soccer championship. It was at that level of seeing Dominican beauty yes, um, on a global platform. Yeah, and my mom
1: had put me in modeling school because there was some etiquette classes attached to it. And she was like, okay, right. we'll just put her in this. Um, and someone at the modeling school had told her, hey, I think she would do really well in pageants. My mom heard that and was like, you need to do this. Um, so I really wanted to make my... I, make my parents happy um, and like do this for them more so because at the time mm-hmm. I was very tomboyish. I was very into basketball. I wasn't like glitz and glam. I hated the color pink um, at that wow. time. Love it now. Um, But at that time I was like <laughs> wearing hoodies. I was in the basketball team in my school. I was like wow. not very pageant. Like I didn't fit the stereotypes for pageantry. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to just do it just to make my mom happy. And it could be a bonding moment for me and my mom. I ended up winning the Miss New York Teen USA pageant. Um, And then from there, I was like, I really love this. Uh, I love the platform that it gave me, essentially, to, like, really speak on things that I love. I also loved Mm -hmm. how, like, disciplined it made me in certain things, like Mm -hmm. my health. Um, I was on top of trending news uh, because you have to be ready for those final questions in the interview portion. So I felt like as I was growing up, I felt like it was one of those things that was, like, a kind of a secondary school because Mm -hmm. I really liked it Mm -hmm. because I was always... Very education based, so having that platform and having that discipline really pushed me to continue in pageantry, and I ended up going to Miss New York USA, won that pageant, did the Miss Dominican Republic Universe. I just really loved how mm-hmm. it brought together like my family, my culture, that discipline factor to it. So there was like a lot of beneficial things to it that I didn't realize because I always had thought oh pageants super super that's like superficial. Um, and then being in it, I saw all the pros to it, and I wanted to continue doing it until um, I just realized it wasn't for me anymore.
0: Yeah, I think about pageantry as a sport, right? You had yeah. like you said a couple of things: health, wellness, discipline, structure. You had to stay on top of the news, current events, and you know, they, there's always a grace element that they expect you to kind of look like you yeah. know, unbothered, which yeah. I've always like kind of admired, like about women in pageantry that it's just channeling this grace is, is not as easy as it looks, but it's, but once you can do it as a woman, I think it's something that's really like what people gravitate towards. So I love what you said about your parents, how, and that's, that is something that I, even I can relate to, like this pressure that we feel around making our parents happy. I think in Dominican culture, our parents play a very pivotal part of who we are Um, In some instances, we sometimes live with our parents or we as we build our own lives and our plans, we plan with our parents in it versus American culture. It's kind of like todo separado. Everything is kind of very like separated and structured. So I remember having even those conversations with my mom. I was also pre-med and I had to tell her, like, I don't know if this is for me. And she goes like, well, are you happy I'm like not necessarily she goes so then find something else. I was like, "Oh, is that simple?" You know what I mean? Like <laughs> but I know that we grew up with this pressure around or at least we did if I can speak for myself, but I know that a lot of Dominican American first generation want to do things that make the family happy. Yeah. But anyway, pivoting to my second question, please tell us about your journey from beauty to writing and then about what have you learned about yourself through the writing industry? Like what was that transition like to go from beauty queen to beauty cultural observer
1: i think everything ties together because i feel Mm -hmm. like being able to use my experiences um really pushed me in terms of writing because i was able to look at beauty from different experiences essentially like you know i knew how much of pageantry involved identity and so Mm -hmm. I think when we look at beauty people can sometimes look at the superficial parts of it and that's the same Mm -hmm. way that people look at pageantry Mm -hmm. and I knew that there was deeper things to pageantry in the same way that I knew that there was deeper levels to beauty and I knew the intersection between beauty and identity and so for me growing up as we talked about like Dominican culture and pageantry and like seeing that like how that all tied together is the same way that i look at beauty through a lens of like beauty ties to so much in terms of identity and our culture and so for me it was always um i always had that like eye and that draw to cover beauty from that perspective and that's what i loved about my work at refinery 29 as a beauty Mm. editor was that i was able to like interview founders like yourself and shine a light on like the ways that culture influenced you to like launch a brand and that and you saw that not just even within Latinidad, but you saw that within South Asian culture, mm-hmm. and all these different like uh, backgrounds, ethnicities. Like, so for me, it was always really interesting because everyone had such a different story to tell, but at the end of the day, like their background, their culture, their family influenced them in some way or another. And so, yeah, I just, I found that it was such an easy integration. And like the fact that I was able to have that lens of like, uh, I have a, perspective in beauty and knowing that like there's more than meets the eye pageantry but also in beauty I think really led me into beauty writing
0: which I love it and it's true it's like a natural segue and I like what you said earlier around like you know this idea of cultural and identity and it's true Mm -hmm. like when we launched Luna Magic like I was personally obsessed with just being behind the computer and just with my sister formulating products and really look at the branding but the more and more the brand grew there was this interest around who are you guys as human beings and I don't know why I was surprised by that like so to your point in beauty founder stories are important and you know that synergy between us founders trying to you know, create a point of view and amplify our community, we need editors to help us tell that story because usually editors have larger platforms and eyeballs. And it's yeah. I just love how collaborative this industry is and the ecosystem is. And even though you're a writer and we're, I'm a brand owner, there's still a shared value system that we have, which is how do we tell these stories in a way that's authentic? How do we highlight beauty in a way that's more than the superficial You know, here for us, it's about confidence, like confidence comes. Yeah, you want to look good, but you also want to feel good because beauty, in my mind, is an inside job that kind of permeates outside, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I'm just so grateful for the collaboration and the partnership, um, not only from you, but just the writing community, because it really helps tell our stories, us as brand founders, to the world and the communities that we want to serve um do you feel like you can predict beauty trends before they happen? I think so, but I, what do you think? <laughs> I think so. Um <laughs> I think when when
1: you have your hand in the game for so long, I think you're able to see things that are picking up. I think you just have a natural pulse for it. Mm-hmm. Um so I I sometimes can call out, "Oh, I see that this like ingredient is becoming super popular." Um and I think it's also important to note like where I see trends is very niche to compare to somewhere else. Someone's mm. but I always try to tell someone that when they're like, what do you think are the biggest trends? Like I can tell you from a Latina who's between Miami and New York and like traveling often, like what are the trends that I'm seeing in these spaces? But like where I'm, what I'm seeing now from my perspective might not be the same. That's like trends growing out of Asia or growing right. growing out of, like right. South America. Um, but I think things with ingredients are always fun. Cause you're able to see from like an industry as whole, like, mm-hmm. Oh, this ingredient seems to be picking up. Um, I think example, right. Lip oils is something that yes. I saw. That was I was like one guy. brand launched a lip oil and another brand launched a lip oil. And I was like, okay, so those are certain things that like I start observing. And I think I'm just so, so in tuned to naturally like realize these things because of my reporting background.
0: So from a, what do you think is the next trend? Like we're already in 2023, which to me is a wrap. It's over. Let's just get to the holiday season. But what do you predict for 2024?
1: Don't take the year away from us. I know. I'm already like
0: <laughs> so over it. <laughs> Close it up. I'm ready for a new year.
1: <laughs> um, you're seeing it's so interesting. Um, so many people are, are going for a more natural ash. Yes. That's a big trend. Um, Mm -hmm. And kind of stepping away from eyelash extensions and Mm -hmm. mascara even, so people are more prone to prop on a false eyelash um, or um, something very natural looking or use an eyelash curler. Uh, We're seeing like that natural kind of winged effect is super in like, that's a super trend. We're also seeing the lip oil, as I mentioned, um, kind of just a nice light lip, like something that compares more to like your natural lip color is on trending and then i think like a very natural base as well um yes. i think blush is really really big and now we're seeing yes. so many yes. trends yes. come out of blush um like double application i see a lot of you know i've picked up on this trend i saw on tiktok where you go with the powder and then you dab in with a sponge mm-hmm. i kind of find the blush on two different ways And so, yeah, I see that blush is definitely, like, that pop. And now everyone's applying it over their nose, too. I think blush is, becoming such a key product.
0: You know, it's so funny because you're describing these trends. And, obviously, on our end, as business owners, we actually are seeing the same thing. Not to plug Luna Magic, but it's true. Lashes are really, you know, lashes are in. You know, we obviously have all these styles available. But we're seeing that with, you know, changing consumer behavior that there's two kind of lash customers or to your point, simplified lash, you know, we have lashes here, a little magic, but also like lash treatments, like lash primers, lash mm-hmm. mascara seems to be taking off. And I think where the customer is, is they want flexibility with how they want to like dress their yeah. eyes um i agree with blush like we had this we have this blush in this specific color alia which was named after my daughter um that has like taken off and you know we had a makeup artist um, manny mua kind of talk about blush and to your point on TikTok, everyone is like obsessed with like the blush and all the things that you can do so agreed that we're also seeing these trends in terms of like sales and what our customers are coming to luna magic for and what they're interested in so we're trendsetters in different ways. Yes, I've so seen that you said that you, we've worked that you've worked with Refinery Twenty Nine and people in Espanol. With both companies, you launched cross-platform channels that geared towards the Latinx community. Tell us about that because I think a lot of people don't realize that. To me, you're an you're an editorial entrepreneur. What does editorial. that mean? I that love you've that. Been, Yes, <laughs> you've been at the forefront with, within these companies, and you were usually in the driver's seat of launching like. Refinery, uh, I think twenty nine somos. Like you were, like they looked to you as like, hey, we need to tap into this community, or even like a big publication, like people in español, like a legacy uh, oh publication, probably looking to find a way to how to resonate with the younger customer. Yeah. How did those conversations go? They came to you, Tatiana diaz to say, hey, we're trying to do this new and innovative thing. What did it feel like to? To be like I said an entrepreneur of of starting something new within a bigger organization.
1: I'm gonna have to steal that from you, editorial. Yes! I love that. <laughs> that's such <a> good <laughs> uh for me, it was really motivated by my mission of like I never want to enter a space and leave it the same when I walk. Oh, I love that. I always want to change every space I enter. To me, that's most important. I'm very I think we're taught, you know, being first generation um children of immigrants to so, like do your job, do what you're, Mm -hmm. what you're kind of told to do. And like, Mm -hmm. like that's it. But for me, I just, I was felt very rebelled by that. I I always wanted to rebel against that and like Mm -hmm. change spaces because I never saw myself in these spaces. I felt like I was always settling with the media that I was absorbing Mm -hmm. and like I, it was two extremes, either like English content was never geared towards me and more towards like non-Latina not, mm-hmm. not Latinic um, consumers. And then everything that was for us was in Spanish and very mm-hmm. older generation geared. So it was like, I never had anything that kind of met me in the middle and that was always very frustrating. So I always felt like if I'm going to enter this industry, I'm going to do this. i really want to shake things up. And so uh, when I entered People en Español, it was that kind of, I had the most amazing mentor there Charo, she works for the New York Times now, and she was the one who like saw something in me. I was always trying to pitch yes. these ideas to speak to like this younger audience who is absorbing their content in English, and she kind of told me like, "Hey, lay it out. Tell me what your vision is." And that's how we launched People Chica. Thanks to her, I'm really believing in me and seeing something in me and like what I would be able to provide as like this young Latina. And then at Somos, uh, for Somos for refinery 29, it was conversations that were ongoing because the uh, the company as a whole was seeing that there was this missing piece of latine um, audiences and they kept saying you know a lot of brands kept coming and saying we what are you doing for latinos what are you doing for this consumer and they had nothing um mm-hmm. so that's when i came in i was like we can do something um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think it was really like this need that not only I saw, but also there was a lot of the market saw, you know, we all know the numbers we hear over and over mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. buying power that Latino households have. So for me, it was just like I had the numbers to back up what I felt from the beginning. Um, and yeah, I think that's really what like pushed me to launch this. But I think really it's in me is just like I never want to leave anything the same.
0: I love that. I'm the same way. Like it's always leave it better than you found it, yes. which is like a classic uh, mission statement for life. I love what you highlighted is the importance of mentorship, right? I think people don't realize how key it is to open yourself up to somebody who's either been there than that or somebody that truly supports you in mm-hmm. this, like I keep saying, entrepreneurship venture um, and that trust that you probably uh, created with Chato, who I don't know, but sounds she sounds amazing. She's incredible. Um, <laughs> she sounds incredible to kind of be open to your ideas and what do you think? You know what I mean? I think yeah. as first generation uh, folks, um, and at least in my family, my mother didn't go to my mother just was just had a high school education. She yeah. didn't go to college. She didn't have a corporate job. She she didn't really like know how to like navigate mm-hmm. past what she understood and. It's just I don't know if that's the case with your family, but I just love that mentorship. Like and speaking of mentorship that you've received, um, what do you do to contribute to your community? And it doesn't have to necessarily be mentorship, but how have you kind of taken this massive career and all these opportunities and and paid for pay it forward?
1: Yeah. So I actually do have a mentee. Um, OK, yes, I just I, I did a wonderful program with the word agency founded by Latina mm-hmm. Zoya Darton. Um, she opened up this, uh, open doors mentorship program, which I, uh, signed up to do with her. And, um, my inbox is always, always open. My DMS are always open. Um, when anyone reaches out, I'm always happy to chat with absolutely anyone. I always, I always say like, I have a virtual open door policy. Um, I tell my employees the same thing, same thing that I have on my social media. I never want anyone to feel, I'm also very, A transparent. Like for me, if any time I've ever had a call with anyone that's asked for a call, I'm very much like I'll tell you. I'll talk about money. I talk about uh salary. I'll talk about the challenges because for me, I feel like with women, especially women of color, Mm -hmm. we're so scared to talk about this. But it ultimately helps us more the more transparent that we are. I think trying to be hush hush about it doesn't protect us. Doesn't it does more harm than it does good. So for me, I'm like, tell me what you want to know. Um, and I'm always an open book about it because I feel like the more knowledge we have, the more power we have ultimately.
0: I agree. And having, not being afraid to have those conversations, to be honest, because I feel like, you know, even if you look at the data, like our earning potential, like oh, we yeah. have ways to go as Latinas and women of color compared to other groups. Um, and and I think it's amazing that you even you're willing to open the finance conversation. I feel like people like sometimes are like, Think it's a bad thing to want to a get paid what you deserve or it's a yeah. bad thing that you actually want to make money off of your craft yes. <laughs> you know what I mean I think uh, you every, at the end of the day finances is what we all need to sustain a life and to feel comfortable and to feel good right yeah. we all have yeah. bills to pay we got bills to pay I mean, men all- <laughs> men talk
1: about it like nothing and I feel like nothing. women but- it's so taboo and yes men are so down to like I say it with my husband like the way that they just talk about salaries and talk about like, yeah, yeah. Like nothing is just like, for me, it's always so frustrating. So I'm like, I really do wish more women felt comfortable And I get it. We've been made to feel like we have to hush or we write right, our right. job or we risk this or we risk that. And I just feel like there's,
0: there's more benefit to risk than when sharing. I agree. And it, to me, it's all in standing in your power. The yes. more you know, the more you're able to help yourself. And when yeah. you help yourself, you help your community and people around you. And we take care of our families. Yes. Um, so speaking of that, right, uh, you faced many challenges, I, I'm sure. I think that a lot of people think that when they see things on Instagram, it's so glossy. Wow, she probably has no issues. She looks so happy all the time. So if you're if you can get vulnerable for a moment and talk about any challenges or maybe one or two that really yeah. changed your life or uh, as you addressed it, it kind of took you to the next level of where you wanted to be.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, for me, I feel like I really had to work hard to enter any door. I feel like people get the Instagram like snapshots of like me being walking through those doors and being past those doors, but to get through those doors, it was never easy. Um, mm-hmm. And anyone, my career is really blessed. Thanks to Latina women, um, every mm. role that I've ever had when I looked back was thanks to a Latina woman that was there in my corner. Um, It wasn't because um, it was given to me on a platter or anything. Like I really had to hustle and network and meet other incredible Latinas who helped me. But I always like to share the story of my refinery 29 job that I had as a beauty writer. I had gone to an event that I was honestly on the fence about. Thank God I went. Um, I saw, (laughs) I saw someone that I interned for a Latina magazine years ago at the bar and i ran over and i was like hey just in case you haven't know of any opportunities she's like i heard someone's leaving the refiner 29 beauty team and she just happens to be latina too." email this person i ended up emailing said person and they were like wow can you come tomorrow for an interview and i got the job and it was yeah and then it was charo who got me promoted at people in espanol to run people chica And then it was another woman who actually pushed for me to become editor-in-chief at Jemezcla, who had told the CEO, Mm. you should check out Tatiana, she's doing incredible work, she could probably do it here. So at the end of the day, there was always another woman rooting in my corner. Mm. So to go back to the challenge, it was that if it wasn't for these women, the challenge was always that it was never easy on my own to get through those doors. Like I was applying to jobs, but I was always so stereotyped. I remember I interviewed for a job once and they were like, are you going to, it was like an entertainment writer, editor job. And they were like, are you able to cover general market? And I was like, what does that mean? And they were like, are you, <laughs> yeah, they were like, are you able to cover like more than like Sofia Vergara? And I was like. But,
0: that, <laughs> no shade. It's like what? Yeah. I was just like so stunned. Because, exactly what we did. Silence. Yes, exactly. I was just <laughs> then, like,
1: like. And that's, like, all you're good for. It's, like, if you... Wow. Yeah. It's, like, it was so frustrating because it was, like, I was pigeonholed and constantly made to feel like I can only cover Latina topics and only add contributions in terms of Latinidad. And it's, like, I'm more than that. Like, I'm more than my background. And I feel like there's so much... While I love it and I do cover it and it's a part of my passion, I just... There's more to me than just that, and I'm able to add more. And I have different. Like I love watching Bridgerton. I love, Corey. right, of course. Yeah, I love Casey Musgraves. Like I love country i love dance i love certain things
0: we watched all the w11 shows one one yeah. tree hill like you know exactly. and, and 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 yeah. laguna beach like that was my <laughs> laguna <thing>. beach exactly
1: <laughs> and it's like they thought i grew up watching telenovelas only and like listening to like, no we watched end. everything yeah and like mm. it's just like it's the same thing that we see people stereotyping us like we only listen to reggaeton and i was like not all we listen to no
0: um, country music so, yeah. is my go-to believe yes. it or not
1: <laughs> so i feel like Facing you know. those stereotypes was one of the biggest, biggest challenges I faced in this industry. It was very frustrating because um, I felt like I always had more to give and no one mm-hmm. ever giving me the opportunity. And if it wasn't for these incredible Latinas who were there, like really pushing me um, every step of the way, I wouldn't be where I'm at.
0: Yeah, and I love a couple of things that you've kind of, to summarize, range. You know, we have this range. Yes. You know, we're Latinos, yes, but we also grew up in the American school system and watching American television and maybe culturally watching Telemundo or Univision because our parents were watching it. So we have a lot of layers to us that I think is a secret sauce. That's what I And said. what I love, it's a secret sauce. I, think, like, I, let think, me that's more, I think
1: that's so powerful, and I think we are so, yeah. so valuable in that we can add even more to the table. And I said this to beauty. I can speak to white hairstyles the same way I can speak right. to Lat Latine hairstyles, the same way I can speak to black hairstyles. I feel like we absorb so much and I feel like as you said, like I can speak to Latine audiences, but I could also speak to general things as well. And I feel like that makes me right. double as valuable. <laughs>
0: double, triple. And yeah. I think what you it when as you're kind of growing growing up in your life and your career, and this is why mentorship is so important, you have to have people to help you find your voice to articulate mm-hmm. that. Cause it could be really jarring. You're in an interview, right? You mm-hmm. want this job and they're telling they're already telling you what they think you are. I'm sure it could be intimidating to be like have that confidence or that voice to be actually I'm not that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. because sometimes there's this fear around did I get the job? Should I fit the box? Should I fit the mold? But I think like I said, mentorship is so important. And I'm glad that you've clearly advocated for yourself, yes. right? Around like, you know, I could do this, this, this. And 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 really, to me, the name of the game as I continue to grow in my leadership is please don't put me in a box. Please let me articulate my range. Yes. Please let me tell you what I can and can't do before you count me out. Um, and that usually comes with, you know, working on yourself and being confident enough to kind of like articulate that in a way that is respectful, but also like not cutting yourself short. Agreed. So to wrap up this interview, this has been delightful. Um, I love to ask a vision question. Mm -hmm. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I see myself, you know, it's
1: funny because I always had such a like very meticulous answer for this. I always be like, I can do this. But I feel like this industry is ever So evolving, and Mm -hmm. we as humans also just evolve and have different interests. But I really do see myself continuing to change every space that I walk into. Um, I do have some things that are a little like I want to (laughs) definitely become an author. Um, I definitely (laughs) published eventually, and um, I want to continue. I don't want to give up on media. I want to continue to even if it's a different sort of storytelling. I always want to be storytelling, no matter where I'm at, um, because I feel like there's so many more stories to tell, and I I just, I love it. I remember I almost gave up on media so many times, because No! Yes! Media needs you! I know! (laughs) It's just like, as I mentioned, those challenges, I never envisioned myself being an editor-in-chief. Like, I could tell you, I I remember telling my then-boyfriend, now husband, I was like, if I become an editor-in-chief, I'm going to be like 45, 50. And it's crazy what has changed so much in just since that conversation maybe like five years ago uh mm-hmm. so yeah i just want to continue storytelling i want to continue changing the spaces being a mentor wherever i can be but for more specific i definitely want to publish something in the near future
0: well we'll be there buying the books and supporting you uh, party. Yeah. i'll come to the party <laughs> to all my friends and i think you know Pub being published is just another way of getting your message out there and sharing it with the world. So I think that's incredible. And I love this idea that you said around. And you're right, we are in a very ever evolving space in life and the world. Yes. So much is changing. Um, Look at what happened with the pandemic. It's like, we didn't, I mean, that. literally, <laughs> At this point, I can't predict much, but just contain my mental space, my energy, and find good people that wanna evolve as this world starts to shake out. We don't mm. know what's gonna happen. Exactly. Tomorrow. And that's why my
1: one of my biggest pieces of advice is always to just what is it that you what is at the root that you wanna do and then chase Correct. that. So for me, I'm not gonna say that I wanna be an editor in chief forever. Or an editor forever. What's important to me is storytelling, and no matter how it manifests. Mm. So I feel like people often stick to like this one career route, and then that stresses them. Right, the pandemic happens, layoffs right. happen, media changes, social media now is like changing in so many different ways. I think figure out what is that you're truly passionate about in the not specifically to a role. But what va- what's valuable to you and for me that's storytelling, diverse storytelling,
0: and so I, that's like and it's beautiful that you've nailed it because sometimes people when I ask them what's your vision it's like blah, 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 blah. and I think and if anyone's listening I would encourage you to really sit with yourself and ask yourself that question in a simplified way because it's a filter that's going to help you as you make decisions or mm-hmm. look at opportunities or even come across people and they don't make you feel good you'll know if you look at life through that vision like for yeah. me personally is to bring more beauty into the world, that's it. Anything that helps me do that, my first voyage was through a beauty company, but there's more ways to bring more beauty into the world and that is what is my North Star and it's just easy to say yes to things and also respectfully decline. But Tatiana, this has been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I am a fan, a, you know, a big uh, supporter of everything that you're going to do. Like I said, I want to thank you for always being so gracious and really supporting Luna Magic and the point of view that we have to say and 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 your commitment to our community through mentorship. So thank you so much. And to everyone listening, uh, stay you. tuned um, for more from Luna Magic Podcast. This is Mabel Frias and Tatiana Frias. Bye.